Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of Repeat Theater, the live interactive podcast that's sort of like a book club for movies and TV shows. Uh, You can tune in Mondays through Thursdays around 3 p.m. Eastern at repeattheaterlive.com. Repeattheaterlive.com will bring you to the YouTube channel. On screen right now is the calendar for the current month that we're in. You can see the founder there on the 16th. This is a wild card Wednesday. We will be doing a movie review of the founder starring Michael Keaton. If you want to support this podcast directly, you can go to repeattheater.com. Just take the live out. Repeattheaterlive.com brings you to the channel because that's where the live content is, but repeattheater.com will bring you to the Patreon to support directly and maybe get into the Discord for live call-ins. So I actually really, really enjoy this movie. There's aspects of it that I think might get overlooked if you're watching it for the first time. This was my second time watching. I saw it in the theater with a friend of mine, and I'm, I'm a big fan of Michael Keaton, so that helps, but the the concept of the movie is obviously it's not very like heroic <laughs> i remember watching it with my wife and i was like he's not a he's not a nice guy you're not gonna like this guy <laughs> like so don't think that they're gonna make this guy seem like he's he's amazing um but they do really really good writing and and setups in this and it opens up with his sort of mix uh milkshake mixer sales pitch he's like looking at the cat that you know the camera and it's actually a great pick a great pitch I mean he, he he does a very very good job and I love how he sets up so much so much work so much value and you as the viewer are almost sort of subversively convinced like oh, I'm gonna buy this thing this is something that I think is actually really important in the movie this opening scene he sells you on a mixer that you don't even need like he actually makes you think yeah i think i would like to buy this mixer this guy's a really really good salesman but then it's just so quickly has his legs you know hit from underneath of him and the guy's just like no thanks and walks away so he spends all this time pitching it and you can actually see he's got this value as a salesman and he and it feels so wasted on an item that can be just very dismissed like nah we don't need a milkshake and then there's a bit of a montage of the rejection, lots of rejection. And then he's got like the record player in his in his hotel room, you know, the power of being positive. So they paint this sort of bleak picture at the beginning of the movie. He seems to be, uh, if you're familiar with sales, he seems to be a talented salesman, an experienced salesman that isn't really having uh, a lot of luck selling these mixers. And they kind of jump right into it. They kind of throw him an immediate curveball. There are six mixers for one location. And he thinks that that just has to be a mistake. He's like, there's no way that that that's accurate. There's no possible way. One location's ordering uh, six mixers. So he calls them to double check. And they're like, better make it eight. We actually are going to need eight. Which has him incredibly intrigued. So he gets out the the map and like plots a course, Route 66, all the way out to go to San Bernardino. So it's like he wants to see this place. Like, what on earth is going on that they need this many mixers? And the reason I think it's it's kind of believable that he would be really intrigued is because up to this point, they do a good job of showing he's going to all these other locations and they're terrible. They're slow. It's awful. There's teenagers hanging out. They set up a lot of that before he ends up going to the the original McDonald's. And the quickness of the, comp- the the service just completely bewilders him. I like that they set that up because we might not have understood why he was so shocked. They literally like, okay, here's your order. And he's like, wait, I just ordered. I don't understand. Well, we as a, as, a, as a viewer in 2020 might not get that. So they had to set that up. They had to show you that service back then was, was kind of poor and kind of slow. And it blows his mind that he literally gives them his money and immediately he has food in his hand. The serendipity of meeting one of the owners, and then he gets a tour. So this is kind of the beginning of the 
he falls in love with this place, right? And we get a great speech later that we'll talk about, but he falls in love with this place, and this is just the the serendipity of it. He, one of the owners is out, you know, sweeping and cleaning up, and he just can't believe the the, the service and and how good it tastes, you know, because the the food was probably a little bit better quality back then. (laughs) The backstory is actually brilliant. He, he, He tells them he wants to take them to dinner, and he wants to hear their story. This is actually one of my favorite parts in the movie because as somebody who has done content creation for 5 years and I've thrown things out and reworked things and taken you know really big risks and spent lots of money on projects and ideas, I love this part of the movie. They go to the tennis court and they're they're basically you know, drawing lines and thinking through nope not good enough nope not fast enough or no I know there's something here we can make it faster we can make it faster I love that element of of persistence from them like obviously there's a theme of persistence in the movie with respect to him but hearing their backstory and how they arrived at the speedy at the speedy service and how it worked and the, the crisscrossing in the small space and that they had the entire kitchen kitchen customly re- redesigned to allow for this that was you know that's incredibly risky and then i really really like how they're prepared to reverse it all this is this is this is always some of the best moments that you see like they're about to basically say no nah, this isn't working let's bail on the whole idea they had the night with the the lights and there were flies everywhere people didn't want to get out of their cars they wanted you to come to them they didn't want to walk up to a window and order and then there's a boy at the window who wants a burger so he fires up the grill gives him a burger and then cars start coming word had spread about how fast it was how good it was and they were off to the races and they, they, they couldn't slow down it became insane to the point that they're ordering you know eight uh, milkshake makers and so that was uh, that's one of my favorite parts in the movie is you get the backstory behind something that has been so foundational to what we think of when we think of a fast food it was these two guys just like we can make this faster we can make this better not settling for mediocrity and then the fact that I don't know if this is actually true to the original story did they almost walk it back and say this isn't working let's just go back to drive you know drive um, drive through or or drive in uh the uh, he tries to convince them. Uh, he tries to convince them to do the franchise format. He again, here he comes. Here comes the salesman. He's going to come in and he says, uh, you know, "Franchise it." And they they shoot him out. We already tried, and they, you immediately sense like the oh, there it is again. The he gives them the sales pitch. He says that this needs to be everywhere across America, and they're just like, "We already tried it." Wham! He gets hit with that sort of that immediate rejection. Um, you know, the Golden Arches concept art, I love seeing that. Obviously, this is an iconic restaurant in America and now in the world. And seeing that original concept that, you know, if that was actually kind of how it went, um, if, that, if that was kind of what they thought it should look like. Because then, they, you know, I, I think it's probably pretty true to form. I mean, I don't know why they wouldn't have done this for the sake of the movie's accuracy, the early models and the early setups that he ends up setting up. Um, he visits the one location in Phoenix and he sees the potential. He understands, like, okay, I understand, you know, what, how we could do this. Um, so one of the things they do in the movie pretty frequently is he visits home and he's got a wife. And I think the tension with his wife uh, is is very well done. I think Laura Dern does a good job in this movie. Uh, it feels honest. It feels like it feels true to what it would feel like to have this guy that's always got a brilliant idea. He's always got oh no this thing this thing this is the next best thing. This is going to be a good thing. This is going to be a huge thing. Um, 
And then he goes back and he pitches them again. And true to form, the writers for this movie and obviously Michael Keaton, he delivers an absolute stellar sales pitch. He talks about flags, arches, and crosses. And he says that McDonald's can be this iconic thing in every town. And obviously, if you've ever traveled driving on the road, this feels so true to reality. Uh, It feels so true to reality. There's, There's always a McDonald's at the exit, you know? And unfortunately, his attempt to kind of to pitch it and he's going to banks and things, he is having trouble uh, getting off the ground. He's getting recognized. People are like, oh, yeah, you're the guy that tried to sell me this, you know, whatever piece of junk. And they kind of laugh at him and they're like, oh, I never forget a face. And it, it hurts him. It hurts his prospects. And obviously you're thinking, oh, man, this this guy's going to be dead in the water before he even gets started. He, you know, he, he kind of keeps uh, getting recognized. And then he takes out a mortgage on the home uh, because he wants to he wants to kickstart this thing. He believes in it. He thinks he can really get it going. Uh, and then they go to supper at the club, and they're making fun of him, you know. And his wife supports him. His, you know, I actually think that's something that's unfortunately uh, one of the downers in the movie is that his wife is always there supporting him. And then you know, if you've watched it, what ends up happening? We'll get to that in a, in a moment. Um, she supports him, and these guys start buying franchises. These these uh, these these guys with a lot of money that are retired, playing golf, and they just start opening franchises. Now the owners are worried it's going too fast. So again, you see this beginning tension. I like this. They plant those early seeds of they have different visions for where they want this to go, and he's you know he's trying he's trying his best to make this something that is you know this profitable. Again, he's a great salesman, and so he's having success. He convinced all these rich guys to do it. But then he has to confront his friends. Their restaurants are a disaster, right? They're a disaster. They're, it's a train wreck. They're adding things to the menu. They're doing all these things. And so there's this shift. And they don't, they don't come out and say this in, in super stark terms. You have to come to this conclusion yourself. I kind of like when movies allow you to do this. But he realizes that the target audience is all wrong. He has targeted guys that are rich and have money to throw away, and they don't give a rip about the restaurant. It's just a place to make money for them. There's no pride. They're not attached to it. They're detached from it. And he meets this Bible salesman, and he hires him because he sees the opportunity here. He's got a wife. They could be teammates. They can run the place. They can own it and take pride in it. And that's when things start to change. He starts to target completely different. He shifts from you know wealthy retirees to working class families that will run the place with a sense of with a sense of sense of pride. That I mean, even he at this point in the movie cares about these places looking right and being run right because I you know he he wants to make sure that the that the guys he's in a contract with are, are happy. Uh, the owners become frustrated with McDonald's number one. You're starting to see, uh, you're starting to see the beginnings of the problems here is that <laughs> he, he is, he is, uh, you know, he is, he's starting to, you know, edge them out. Maybe even if it's just in appearances and they're just like, Oh, it's not the one guy's like, it's not that big of a deal. But then he meets the restaurant owner and he notices the wife at the piano and they sing pennies from heaven together and the husband seems concerned. Again, they do some seed planting here, like, oh, something might be going on here. You know, this guy this guy maybe can't be trusted. And then he comes home, and the wife's like, I have a new couple. I have a new couple for you. She's been, she's been scouring, you know, the town for this guy. She's been trying to find somebody for him to get to do another franchise. And he's like, nope, I'm thinking bigger. 
And she's like, what? And he shoots her down. He's like, nope, that's, we're thinking too small. I got people coming to me, eating out of my hand. This restaurant owner came to me. So now I am, uh, we're shifting focus. So he, you know, she, she immediately constantly has the wind knocked out of her sails almost every time he comes home. Then he wants to renegotiate his contract. He realizes he's making nothing. He's, he's, he's actually in the red because of what he's having to spend uh, versus what he's making according to the contract. He tries to renegotiate, and it, it doesn't work, right? He's like, you know, I want to renegotiate. So then he notices, and this is, again, there's more tensions rising because his priority is, is selling. His priority is money. His priority is success, and their priority is pride in the business. They want it to be true to McDonald's, and then the refrigeration is too costly, he wants to do powdered milkshake. Like, they pitch him on the powdered milkshake, and they're like, no, we're not doing the powdered milkshake. So, now, he's in trouble. And this is the turning point in the movie. This is when everything changes for him, and again, it seems like happenstance, almost like serendipity. He's at the bank, they're coming for his house. His wife finds out, his wife finds out that, you know, he mortgaged, the, he took out a mortgage on the house. She's not very happy, understandably. And he's at the bank, and there's a salesman who overhears. And he's like, let me let me talk to you. Let's go back and have a meeting. So they go have a meeting, and this is uh, this is Ryan from the office. He does he does a great job in this movie. He says, "You're not in the burger business. You're in the real estate business." So he analyzes everything that, that he's been doing to get these franchises going, and he says, "You need to buy the land, so then you control everything." <laughs> Which is a, it's it's a brilliant and just absolutely ruthless turn of events to basically essentially take over slowly and quietly. It's a quiet coup d'état where he's buying all of the land and slowly basically becoming the owner of of McDonald's. I mean, it's, that's that's essentially the beginning of it. Um, the mortgage. Uh, the 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 montage of growth while the the original owners are like scrubbing and cleaning is like a really really good sharp contrast. So he's growing, making money hand over fist. He's buying the land, and they're and it's working. They're they're getting into a position where they get the capital up front, and so he's able to start making lots and lots of money. And then they're you know they're scrubbing and cleaning their restaurant. You're seeing the differences between uh, their their life experiences at this point. Uh, and he turns the tide. He starts making decisions. Right, and he has a phone call with the other wife. You're like, oh man, here we go. This guy just kind of does whatever he wants, and he tells the owner, and he says, contracts are like hearts; they're made to be broken. And then the very next scene, he tells his wife over a dinner that she made that he wants a divorce. So, it. I told my wife when we started watching this, like, he's not. He, he, this movie, this movie does not paint him as a nice man. You're not gonna like this guy. <laughs> like he is absolutely ruthless. For, he goes from telling them that contracts are like hearts; they're made to be broken. He's just gonna do whatever he wants to just uh, divorcing his wife in the very in the very next scene. Uh, he sends the owner, uh, the owners, the the milkshake mix. And they obviously get very, very angry because he's starting to send them to the to all the restaurants because now he's calling the shots. He owns the land. He's essentially running all of these McDonald's and he's basically in charge. And they, they talk on the phone. And this is the part of the movie where now it's not just something that he's doing with his actions sort of subversively or quietly. He speaks it into existence. He says, business is war. He says, business is war. He said, you know, you could take me to court. He said, you probably win. He said, but I'm national. 
and he says you're effing local and that's it man that's that's the turning that's the turning tide that it's that conversation where he says that he would look at his competitor if he was drowning and and put a, and put a hose in his mouth he's like can you say that i mean it's it, this guy is absolutely ruthless at this point in the movie there's there's no question that he's become he's become more than just a salesman that, that he has he has switched roles at this point the brother gets sick uh, and Ray drops off the blank check. So he shows up, drops off the blank check because he's in a position now to be like, whatever you want, however much money you want, we'll make it happen. So the handshake deal uh, shows uh, his medical bracelet um, and he knows it's a lie. I don't know if you noticed that. So the brothers go to the deal and they're going to get paid a ridiculous amount of money, but there's like they have to do a handshake deal on perpetual royalties, which would have been an absurd amount of money with how successful McDonald's has been uh, over the, the you know last couple of you know decades or whatever. And so he, uh, when they do the handshake, I thought it was very very intentional that you see the one brother's uh, medical bracelet, and you can see on his face that he knows this is a lie. He knows I'm not. I'm not gonna get. I'm not gonna get the money. And you see the medical bracelet to again kind of show the contrast of like Ray is in complete control now, and this poor guy can't do anything. I I loved when he said, "You could take me to court, and you'd probably win." But he's like, "I'll bury you in legal costs." Like I I resonated with that. I was like, "Oh, I could probably take these folks to court, and I'd win, but I can't afford it." Um. Uh, and the, and and this is the, the, my second favorite uh, moment in the movie. And a lot of people look for this scene. It's a common search term on YouTube. The bathroom speech, where he explains to them, he's like, "How many people did you give that little tour? How many people could look behind the counter and see the speedy service format and try and replicate it?" He's like, "How many? And how many of them were successful? Right? None of them. Why?" And he says, "You don't even know what you have." He's like, "It's the name." McDonald's McDonald's he's like the speech is fantastic he's like McDonald's sounds like America he's like it sounds like America like it is it's all in the name and he's so right you hear this speech and you're like you know what he's right these other places just don't have that appeal you know and he's like and now I have it and then he says do you you know he says do you have it because it's not really his it's not really his name but he does he owns it now they bring things back around. So the movie opens with the speech, the selling of the milkshake to the camera, and he gives another speech at the end, right to the camera, about persistence. It's just like the start. And he says, persistence beats talent. And there's a part of me that loves that, because right now that's something I've got to remember, just being persistent. <laughs> Combining persistence with talent, right? Persistence and talent. And at the end, he's got it all. He's got it all. He got he got the he got the he got the business, he got the girl, you know, he got that he got that restaurant owner's wife. But you can sense something at the end. It's subtle. It's subtle. And I, I give I give props to Keaton for this. I give him I give him props to this. He says that, you know, he says this big long speech and he's got everything and he seems so happy, but you can see this sadness and almost like a regret. Like he knows the truth. This isn't really truly his empire. It was it was almost like one that he he almost stole this, right? I love that at the end. I thought he did a stellar job. It's just him and nobody else and his he conveys with just with just micro little emotions and expressions that he got it all and there's still this element of sadness, sadness and dissatisfaction on his face and uh I, I thought that was an excellent way to bring it all the way back around 
uh, where he goes from selling these 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 milkshakes that aren't his to selling burgers that aren't his either. It's like it comes full circle, and he's still just the salesman selling something that's not truly his, and it not being very satisfying to him. So I thought he nailed it. Highly recommend this movie. We'll transition. I don't know if we have enough people or enough questions for question and answer. It's fine if we don't, because we do have to do another stream today for the PlayStation 5. So if you're listening to this or watching this elsewhere, I greatly appreciate the support. Please go to repeattheaterlive.com. Subscribe to my my YouTube channel or support me directly on Patreon at repeattheater.com. As always, if you're watching or listening in the other locations, please like, share, and subscribe.